Hello there, my name's Neil David and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at Eurograps EXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by a large man appears.com. I'm your host, your neat little package on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined as I am every week by my faithful co host. He's Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? I'm good, Dave. I'm good. I have a question for you, though. Okay. For the first time in. However many years we're doing this show, you're going to have to alter that intro. Oh? Because it's going to be the award-winning podcast that you didn't ask for. Oh, is that what you're You're just planting a flag we're going to oh, win? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, do you know something I don't? Because like, the fucking nominations aren't even closed yet, pal, when we're recording this. I think they've closed by the time everyone's listening to this. Possibly. But, um, We've yeah, still got I mean, like a week left. we got, we got, a, got the uh, award-winning part in that intro. We're certainly the award nominated uh, thus far, and we can we could ring that for all it's worth. Listen, I I, ju- I just feel like no matter what happens, we've won an award. I think I think if our regular listeners don't vote for us, I think I'm entitled to give um, any phone numbers I have to Disco Inferno because they're clearly better friends with him than me. <laughs> And look, if you want Batman all up in your messages, that's fine. That's fine. You just you just don't vote. Um, but yeah, no, I just I just wanted to see how you'd feel about having to throw that in on your your well practiced and well trained introduction. I'll be happy to do it. I'll be happy to do it. Um, it will, as with every time I've had to change this introduction, take a good six or seven weeks for it to to get down, <laughs> and then occasionally, as just happened before when you guys started listening i still fuck it up somehow uh, and do revert to like an old version of the intro that's somehow still in the back of my head it's funny how um, that happens isn't it it just lodges in there for no reason 
it's this weird sense memory but then i think about like how long we've been doing this goddamn thing for it's like we've been doing this since what 2019 yeah i, I refuse to say how many years it is because i can't like time is just a fucking flat circle to me like also like how many like i know we've missed weeks here or there and we've gotten sidetracked i guess we never counted in the amount of nights of nitros and stuff we would do but like our original projection was pretty much seven years flat of doing this mm. podcast before we uh before we like run out of road in wcw and now i'm looking at like you know it's we're into year five of the podcast <laughs> and we're not even close we're not even on 2000 yet <laughs> do you want to talk about ringing every little thing over ever yeah, since that's yeah. us here yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that's the, I guess, the the upshot for everyone listening is there's fucking plenty more of this show. Plenty more of this show to come. And hey, uh, this is this this episode is a great teaser for what's to come. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not the primo example of having plenty of WCW to talk about. Because, spoiler alert, if you haven't read through the show notes, there wasn't a fucking thunder this week. No. Uh, Hurricane Floyd, I think it is. Saw it was, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there, there's no thunder. So what we've had to do is we knew it was coming, but uh, I, I do appreciate, and this does go to show that we've become a nice regular part of other people's weeks. And so we have a big, um, we have a big spreadsheet that we've had since probably like maybe three months into doing this podcast, where uh, I've uh, put down. Hang on, hang on. You say we have a spreadsheet. Huh? I, I may have access to the spreadsheet. I don't think I've looked at it once. <laughs> You claim no responsibility for said spreadsheet. But it's where I put down all the air dates and taping dates of every single episode and pay-per-view we have left and all the special. As we come up with things along the timeline Mm -hmm. we're going to insert into the timeline, I pop them in there and populate the list so that we don't miss anything. So we knew the Hurricane Floyd cancellation was coming up and we'd had a couple of ideas about what to do with it and uh, I think we were fairly happy where we landed is that this just so happens to coincide with a historic uh, Smackdown in some ways and uh, that's, tra- that's tra- what we're Tragic in some other ways Fuck me Fuck Like it's making me look forward to next week and get back to Thunder mm-hmm. um, Because in some ways Thunder is like inoffensively bad at the moment but it is giving us uh a look into the very near future. Oh, it really does. Mm. But yeah, as you were going to say, it's uh, what reminded us was that we have Webcon in our Discord mm-hmm. who, God bless the guy, goes ahead and watches a week in advance of us. And do you know what? He's not alone. Do you know, like there are mm. other people, like we hear periodically from people who are doing the watch-alongs with us. We know it's what's left Alan Forel months and months behind. I'd like to say hello to the Alan Forel of 2026, who has gotten up to this episode. <laughs> I, I was actually going to say in the Discord today that uh, I expect in a month or two, well, who am I kidding? In about six months, Alan, to get to our Kaz Hayashi discussion and yeah, link, well, I was go- link, link us numerous matches. I was going to say about a year ago, he was nearly six months behind. So God, oh, God. knows where yeah. the man is now. Uh, I guess he'll tweet us if Twitter still exists when he gets there. Um, but yeah, um, any other crack with you, buddy? Or are we are we kind of already heading towards actually talking about wrestling on this horrific show? I mean, by the time this comes out, anything could have happened. So you know, yeah, that, 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 that's the new the new thing for us. We are going to be kind of 
taping ahead. So we're going yeah. full thunder. Yeah, we are. So we're what we're trying to do is prevent against like we've we've missed a couple of weeks here or there when like uh, Lee has had to do parenting things or I have had to do I need to go sit in a dark room for a while because I've been bothered for my entire day things. D- different type of parenting things because you've been parenting yeah. all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. At least I get to give them back at about like eight or nine p.m. most nights. But uh, yeah, we're trying to future-proof so that we're not too far ahead, but that we're about a week ahead mm-hmm. of where you're listening um, so that at least we always have a, a backup recording in the can. So we apologize if uh, people kind of are trying to get thoughts in live. We will still try and do like a recap of like any Discord uh, messages or tweets we have relative to shows we've already covered on the show. We will try to... I think we'll redouble our efforts. We're kind of, uh, we had a bit of a, an office chat about getting us to kind of spread the, spread ourselves across our different social media apps mm-hmm. and where we are so that we don't miss anything anymore. Um, so the, we, we have renewed hope that we will be better but, at that. But, but here's something to just throw out there. I know when we did get very topical recently with the whole CM Punk discussion, um, a couple of people contacted us to say they really enjoyed it. Yep. And it's because it's not something we do super regularly. Yep. So maybe because we are going to tape ahead, we will be less kind of topical most of the time. Because by the time yep. listeners hear it, we'll be kind of out of date. So we may do a kind of surprise podcast here or there being a bit more topical throughout yep. the year. And, it, and if you're somebody that's inclined to uh, pass us five Europeans a month... Uh, over at largemanappears.com, our Patreon, uh, we each do a solo audio show every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we alternate on and off between myself and Lee. Uh, Grab Bag Radio is mine and Lonely Audio is uh, is uh, Lee's. And uh, on that, we tend to give our musings on current day wrestling uh, when we're doing that show. So if it's something that you can't go a month without hearing some relatively current takes from one of us, um, com is where you need to go. Um, simple as um, but yeah as you say like sometimes we will change up the running order and like if we get TRLs in where we have to like we already have stuff banked but we've promised we'll get to TRLs as soon as possible we mm-hmm. may change up orders here or there um, I think the the overriding message of this year on uh, Days of Thunder is to keep it interesting yes um, not just for us as we careen into the Russo era but for you guys at home as well I think we've got some really cool episodes planned coming up um, in the next while as well that are kind of like on the timeline but slightly off piste um, and speaking as you just mentioned TRL just, just a couple of months ago next week on uh, alargemanofbears.com will be the first TRL of 2024 because we will have uh, is it our first full ROH show uh, I believe so. Yes, it'll be our four, yeah our first full uh, ROH show on uh, TRL as we will be covering ROH Best in the World twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. So if that's something that tickles your fancy, like they said, just five euro gets you access to that. Yeah, and we have by the time this has come out already announced that our other Patreon show for the month, um, it's it's already dropped by the time you're listening to this is the non Rumble Royale. Yes. Um, where we covered uh, six matches from Royal Rumble pay-per-views that were not themselves Royal Rumbles, but were either 
a significant match historically, a great match that we have fond memories of, or something that's just worth a little bit of discussion. So that that's what else. And I still have to wrap up the month then with my with my grab bag. Um, so you will have seen if you're on the Patreon. Um, I will have done a reach out for questions before the end of the month if people have questions or comments that they want read out on grab bag to have a bit of dialogue a large amount of peers.com is the place to go Lee before we get into Smackdown uh, I've got plenty of stuff from the Observer this week okay um, so this uh, this show is from the 16th the, the nearest Observer publication is the 20th there was talk of so he obviously went to press before these shows aired because he's talking about how the initial taping date for this so they were originally going to do that thunder live okay and they were postponing it to see if they could do a tape if hurricane floyd would allow them to do a pre-tape okay um but obviously that isn't what happened because it ends up being a clip show as we'll probably talk about just before we get into smackdown Huge front page story on the Observer from WCW this week. It's official. As Dave says in the first line, although wrestlers were singing Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead Friday night in Baltimore, when the word of Eric Bischoff's reassignment within Turner reached the wrestlers, once the initial happiness wore off and reality set in, the reality is little has changed. So Bischoff is gone. He's gone, yeah. I, I meant to bring this up on the Fall Brawl show, but we're right... Yeah. It's, it's, it was right around that time that Bischoff was right on the edge. He, he was essentially dismissed on 9-9 mm. uh, this month, so right after... Um, he was replaced uh, for a number of reasons, says Dave. Uh, a combination of numerous bad deals and falling ratings, house shows and buy rates. The company temporarily is in the hands of Bill Bush, whose title has been changed from vice president of strategic planning to executive vice president. Creative control at this point is in the hands of television producer Craig Leathers, who has the final say, and the same booking committee headed by Kevin Nash, Dusty Rhodes, and Kevin Sullivan that got the company into this mess, although everyone seems to be jockeying for position to garner power and get creative input. Um, It's just a constant in every WCW story you ever hear, whether it's 1999, 1991, fucking 1987, like it's constantly people jockeying for position. Yeah, um, it's funny. There's a detail um, that because Bischoff had worked the boys so many times, it was it took from nine nine until the weekend for people to be convinced he was actually gone. <laughs> they were assuming it was a work. Uh, the most recent one, and this was kind of something we talked around, but is confirmed by Dave in here, is that Hogan's retirement was worked by Nash and Bischoff. Um, and Hogan, obviously. You mean Nat- Nash's retirement? Um, bu- 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 the most notable work was no, no, last year into thinking oh, Hogan la- oh, was retiring, okay, so right. his presidential retirement. Okay. Um, so the idea was, if he retired, people would support Kevin Nash getting more power. Yeah, that, that, that they was get the story, behind yeah. him because people people personally liked Nash a lot more than they liked Hogan, and the agreement was that when Hogan then came back into the company that Nash would keep his power once he wouldn't threaten Hogan's spot. Yeah, so the, uh, if we're, yeah, if we're, I think we brought, brought that up at the time. It was like yeah. Nash was the, the you know public face of getting rid of Hogan. Mm-hmm. And he was you know supposed to be the hero for the boys in the back. Yeah. 
And the the thing was as well, um, like this wasn't the only time that Bischoff worked the boys. Uh, I mean, like this was just the latest in a long string dating back to when he tried to work the boys and himself got worked in the Brian Pillman situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the all time great moments uh, of idiocy in professional wrestling. Uh, No exact reasons have been given for the move, which virtually everyone felt was necessary and eventually going to happen, although it happened a few months earlier than expected. Bischoff right now has returned to Wyoming, waiting for a reassignment within the Time Warner company since he has several years left on a large contract. Uh, It's being portrayed as some, you can imagine who, as him getting a promotion, but the reality is something different. He might be offered a buyout clause. We know he doesn't end up being offered one, or at least he doesn't end up taking one because he he's back in mm-hmm. within a year with less than a year no, less uh, significantly less than a year um his overall track record going into this year was excellent although in hindsight manny would say there was a lot of luck involved he took the company from 30 million a year uh when he took the helm in 1993 and they were averaging about six million in the red uh, to a company which in 1998 grossed approximately $200 million and garnered a $55 million profit. This was, and we've said it before, and if you've read Death of WCW, they say it repeatedly, for a very short period of time between 96 and 98, WCW was the most profitable wrestling company in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, like, on, uh, like, here's the thing. The turnaround is like one of the greatest business success stories of the 90s like they went from an absolute nothing company under turner to like you said the highest grossing fucking wrestling company of all time but the but the the dual things of bischoff is that bischoff was a man who knew how to hotshot things and he could he could start the fire but he couldn't keep it going Mm -hmm. and dave points out here like he was the person most responsible for the creation of the current wrestling boom but his ideas were almost always short-sighted with little long-term planning and the result was a collapse of the boom. Uh, now, he says, in fairness, expecting revenue to continue at that rate in 1999 with all the facets of business hitting a major decline, the company is going to have to struggle even to break even this year. So it is like, it would be unreasonable to expect with an overall decline in the business for the gravy train to keep rolling the way it had, but mm-hmm. it is bombing even worse than then it happened like again we've been reporting through dave that like they've been cutting jobs for the first time since we've been covering it to like stop the bleeding bischoff was blaming this is the other thing that like i don't think whatever ways you can try and twist things and defend things about like him being responsible for the boom and things like that as a businessman this man is fucking dreadful uh, he was blamed for making bad deals in a desperate attempt to turn things around from the one million dollar giveaway on nitro which we never really covered yeah uh, which was one of the first things to have the pull, plug pulled on by Turner, to the Master P debacle, to ratings disasters like Kiss and Megadeth for $500,000 and $250,000 respectively for one shot, to the $1 million Dennis Rodman deal, which resulted in another poor rate, buy rate down the line. At the same time, the gap between WWF and WCW was spreading and adding insult to injury, Chris Jericho, who many of the headliners of the company had convinced Bischoff would never be effective as more than uh, or as more than a mid-card player, signed with WWF and almost immediately became one of their most over-performers. 
not getting into the fact that they fucking parked him in the, the middle of the card as well. Um, with the company falling behind in many ways because at an aged field with virtually every headliner except Bill Goldberg being near or past 40, the result was to give a bigger push to older wrestlers like Hogan and Savage, whose status as the most pushed stars within the company led to the problem to begin with, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um... It says uh, he had taken on an almost Jekyll and Hyde personality from the pressure of being unable to turn things around. When the company was doing well, his personal perks like Road Wild weren't looked at, but when the revenues were falling, giving away a pay-per-view house gate didn't add up. Um, he does a bit here about, like, you know, uh, detailing his how bad business was across wrestling when he took charge of WCW, like Japan being the epicenter of professional wrestling mm-hmm. America really being trending downwards and him being hugely part of not only turning it around but forcing WWF into a position where they have to completely they have to, rebrand they, they as well modernize, yeah, yeah. Um, but the loss of Bischoff has done little to really change the landscape other than bad business deals that affected the bottom line have been completely dropped um, there's uh, a bunch of things oh yeah in regard to um in regard to various Bischoff ideas of late, the proposed New Year's Eve pay-per-view at KISS was cancelled, which we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, even though WCW had already put down a rather large deposit to get KISS for that date. Uh, the Demon Brian Adams gimmick, which WCW spent $600,000 on what? to get off the ground, has been dropped since it was based on a deal Bischoff made with Gene Simmons. The million dollar giveaway has been dropped. The wrestling movie was too far along and will go into production next month. Bischoff, who was to... This is... I didn't know he was to be the star of the movie. He was going to be the promoter. What? Right. Yes. Um, It's... He gets replaced by Joey Pants. Fucking hell. As was a Titus Sinclair. Is that that character's name, I think? Yeah, how do, how is that in my head? I can't remember key details about my own life, and I can remember that. I just, anyway. I just remember the king. That's all I remember. Yeah. I will rule you. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's been replaced by Joey Pants. Uh, Road Wild as a concept has been pulled, although that decision was actually made back in July by the company. Uh, I didn't realize this, and this goes to show how fucking shady this cunt is. A Monday Nitro weekly cartoon... Produced by, you guessed it, Jason Hervey and Mandalay Sport Action Entertainment that was scheduled to begin this week has been cancelled. Many point to Bischoff's close association with Hervey and Mandalay as the reason for his departure. There being serious heat on Bischoff cutting a bad video deal with Hervey to market the company videos when the feeling is it should have been done in-house and the videos were embarrassingly bad as compared with WWF home videos. In recent weeks, Bischoff has been under fire. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. Not only from talent, but from his office staff for his refusal to fire one of his secretaries who wrote a racist joke that was accidentally seen by numerous African-Americans who oh, work in yeah, the office. Oh, yeah, I remember that story, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the belief is there's going to be lengthy booking meetings in the next few weeks because it was a real embarrassment for the company that Fall Brawl, all the advertisements in newspapers went out without a single match announced. This was the famous one where... Um, the advertising agency ran ads saying we're the advertising agency and they won't even tell us who's going to be there for god's sake don't miss it which for an advertising agency brilliant. that is clever yeah, brilliant um 
they were saying like it's not unusual for a full card not to be together like wwf and ecw are still very much guilty of the same thing like not until a few weeks beforehand but this was particularly embarrassing this episode uh bischoff is not only out of power but he is banned from being backstage at wcw events now like that's not just you're not just removed from power you are fucking like just like it says banned from being anywhere near the company just think of how badly things had to be gone for that to happen yeah yeah uh we've got a really nice i'm not gonna like go through it or anything but there's a really nice obituary for brian hildebrand so if like he's somebody you know we uh we, we did kind of mention yeah, we kind of t- like, touched on yeah, yeah we did mention he passed away and that he had like a much deeper impact on people's lives than you might expect from a referee um dave does a really good obituary and he points out that like this guy was so special to this community like even more so than everybody else in this brotherhood that like he was like this is not the only referee in wcw who has died of cancer this year and they like look how much more effort they went to brian hildebrand then i can't remember the name of the other ref who died remember there was there was another ref who passed like it might have been 98 but he was like this isn't the only ref who has passed uh or had struggles with cancer in the past year was dickinson off sick i can't remember i can't like he just he it was one of those dave lines and it could have been just dave garbling either true but he's just like he's basically making the point that like this wasn't just a referee this wasn't just any co-worker like people love this guy to bits um they also oh we're a month away in real time from it. Dave does a lengthy preview, blow by blow, so I'm not going to read it out, of the upcoming documentary, Beyond the Mat. Oh, God, that's coming up on our timeline as well, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I will try to revisit this because he does give a bit of a background to Barry Blaustein, how he came to make this movie and what he was trying to make originally. Um. But anyway, we move on to the fallout from um, just some of the numbers from Fall Brawl, which is just... The first major show under the new WCW regime showed just how far the company had fallen. The annual event from the Loris Joel Coliseum in Winston-Salem drew only 3347 paid. Jesus. The live gate was $97,000. Wow. Not even six figures. Both numbers considerably lower than what ECW is going to do for their... Uh, pay-per-view next week in Villa Park there were a total of 7,491 tickets out 4,144 freebies so more freebies than paid although not all those freebies even attended the show and before the show started since the building was so empty they invited fans who were sitting in cheaper seats to move down to the ringside area so it would at least look decent on camera the previous two years in the same building they sold out with more than 11,000 paid so that is like so they've gone from 11, that's shattering 11,000 paid down to 3 3 3,000 and even with free tickets they couldn't get it up to 8 like that that's literally less than one third of the attendance in a year yeah the rumour going around backstage of Fall Brawl was that the Bagwell switch was because he didn't want a job however um, what he does point out is it makes no sense because he ended up doing the job on Nitro anyway with the exact same finish that was planned. Uh, so why he didn't want to lose on pay-per-view or whether they just diffuse things overnight, I don't know. But apparently Hacksaw Jim Duggan didn't know until literal minutes before he went out 
that he was wrestling. Jesus Christ. Classic old guy, though. Had his gear. He was ready. Um, like, it just goes to show WCW would spend another year pushing Buff Bagwell. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, if somebody, pull, like, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, I'm not praising Vince, don't get me wrong, because like, he's a horrible, horrible bastard. But, like, it's funny that, like, this kind of shit, people are just doing this shit. It's like the Wild West in mm-hmm. WCW. If somebody tried to pull that shit on a WWF pay-per-view, there's the door. I remember hearing when the Pritchard shows and they talked about the Booker and Bagwell match and the Bagwell's attitude because after that match on Raw every single contracted WCW wrestler was sent to it could have been HWA Um, and Bagwell was the guy that was when other people were working out in the ring and stuff he'd be criticising on the outside and he was the one that was like why do we have to do this shit and he was just the one constantly moaning and that's when he got sacked it wasn't yeah. because of the Raw match. It was because he was just a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, overinflated opinion of himself. And I think, I think if I recall correctly, uh, Kidman and Bagwell got into it at the HWA and that also yeah. would have been part of the reason for getting rid of him. Because whether you think it was appropriate or not, the way they handled things, like the one thing that was clear about the WCW guys that came over to WWF is like you couldn't coast on your name. Mm-hmm. It's like those guys that came over in that first wave had to fucking take their licks and just say yes, sir. May I have another until you got a chance? Like, like who, you know who I mean? got pushed instantly? Like Booker, DDP. Would you call that a push? I mean, no. I think they thought it was because, like, in two thousand and one, their opinion of the Undertaker was like, you know, you don't, you're not just putting anyone in a feud with Taker. But other, other than it was terrible. Booker, DDP, and Kidman, I think, who was instantly made the guy in the cruiserweight division. Yeah, there was nobody else that got any kind of like spectacular amount of screen time or level of push. No, yeah, for sure. Um, we got a couple of other little news bits from around the world. Uh, it's official. Taz has signed with the World Wrestling Federation and will be finishing up. Uh, he's he's with ECW through twelve thirty one. Himself and Paul Heyman's relationship has completely disintegrated. This was over promises about a new contract and money that ECW had no intention or capability of fulfilling. Um, he thought he was going to stick around. He had signed a three year deal not too long ago with ECW. Um, he thought he was going to stick around in ECW for the long term. He had sounded out when the last contract had coming up, both WWF and ECW. He was looking for close to, I think the number was seven hundred and fifty grand a year, and WWF would offer him two hundred thousand at that time. Jesus Christ! That's as close as they would come. Uh, he the figure that WCW had offered him never came out, but he did his his people said it was significantly higher than what WWF were offering, but he would prefer to be the big fish in the small pond in ECW than see what someone his size, like what WCW would do to him, which I think was a fair reading of the land. I mean, listen, for as much like WWF fucked Taz royally, yeah. but 
I think WCW, while using Taz as a wrestler, probably would have done even more damage to his reputation. And some of the things, I know it's a business full of liars and, and things like that, but Taz has maintained for 25 years that like he would have stayed in ECW to have closed its doors if Paul had just honoured his commitment if to If he just paid him, yeah. Yeah. And this is not the last person with this story. There will be very few of the Paul loyalists left drinking the Kool-Aid by the time that place closed. It was mostly Dreamer. either the newer people or the people who wouldn't get taken in elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like the one, I, I think maybe the one where I'm like, I, I, I was found it hard to believe he didn't jump sooner was RVD. I think that's the last star that would be but, touched by the other two left. But don't forget, RVD missed like close to what was it, fucking eight yeah. months or something. He missed with a broken yeah. leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of ECW, uh, it was revealed by Dave this week that uh, what had been rumored is that uh, the conditions of Raven's infamous WCW release include a non-disparagement clause, so he's not going to be able to talk trash on ecw on tnn about wcw much as everyone might want him to uh, and i'm sure no one scott levy he was just i don't care whatever it takes mm-hmm. get me out of here yeah uh, which is fair enough i guess um we end with the uh the news briefs from from wcw uh Rey mysterio didn't get his eye poke last week he actually had an eye infection he was scheduled to wrestle Hoovy on Nitro, but the match was cancelled because the Flair Sting Luger angle went way long. Why couldn't they just camp- cancel those stupid squash matches with the Sid run-ins or the Wyndham's versus Regal and Taylor? Why do I ask? <laughs> uh, I love when Dave gets pissed. Um, Chavo Guerrero and Disco Inferno Junior, or sorry, Chavo Guerrero Junior and Disco Inferno look to be starting a new group. Fun. Sorry, what? Yes, that's what it says here. Uh, add Ric Flair to the list of people looking to end up with the booking job. Uh, we got confirmed why the Rednecks have the, the new song as their theme. It's because for once they thought about continuity and they realized rap is crap doesn't work unless there's rappers to feud with. Like the one time someone actually thinks about something in WCW, it's to get rid of that banger. And yeah, to get rid of something that's actually over and they could have made the Red X into yeah. actual faces if that was the case. Something you will actually be excited about. Scott Steiner is scheduled back imminently. Uh, it's been delayed uh, a few weeks because it's speculated he hasn't quite got his physique back due to the injuries he's been working with. Uh, good news is that Dave Finley has got some feeling back in his lower leg but it's way too early to know whether he'll ever be able to wrestle again like I I really didn't have full perspective on how much that man fucked himself up in that junkyard he fucking destroyed his body in that junkyard Uh, Wrath should be ready to return next month after his knee surgery Uh, Ultimo Dragon's physical condition has not improved but to WCW's credit he is still on their payroll for the remainder of his contract Uh, E-Channel is doing a bio on Hogan. Why do I get the impression this will be largely fiction, he says. (laughs) And was interviewing people like Savage, Hart, Nash and Okerlund at Nitro this past week. Uh, Scott Scott and Dana Hall have split up again. Um, Apparently Goldberg is working through a pretty bad back injury at the moment. Um, That's why he didn't wrestle at Nitro. Um, 
in Tallahassee, the newspaper ran an article negative towards WCW because in the local market they were hyping Sting versus Flair, although they knew well in advance Flair wasn't going to be there. Um, apparently, Bret Hart bumped into Road Dog on a plane and confronted him about why he said Bret wasn't that good of a wrestler. In typical fashion, Do- Road Dog denied ever saying it. Oh my god. The Demon versus Vampiro feud, which is totally off the books, was scheduled to go like this. Fucking brace yourself. Demon was to be revealed as the son of the devil, I swear I'm not making this up, who had turned good because he turned his back on his father. Vampiro would reveal to have been sent down or up or however the geography goes to garner revenge. They were going to build for a showdown on the New Year's Eve pay-per-view where the demon would toss Vampiro into a vat of holy water and when he got out he changed to a new character. What? <laughs> yeah. What 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 new character? Could tattooed got guy vampiro Ian? That's he'd just be, he'd just be Ian from Ian from Ian. Canada. Yeah, that, that, that's that's the game. That's the gimmick. Yeah, I mean, somehow, in spite of this being pitched to him, the next news brief: Vampiro signed a three-year contract this week. <laughs> um, despite what you read elsewhere, ICP is at press time working without a contract. Uh, it's believed that Bischoff had signed Bagwell to a new deal just before he got sacked. Lots of speculation that Savage is on the way out soon. Flair was at the pay-per-view but left before the show started and never appeared on camera. Douglas has a partially torn bicep since the pay-per-view but should be back within two weeks. Medusa is back and cleared. Um, There's lots of heat within the Nitro girls. Oh, of course. Basically, Kimberly and Spice, who appeared on Nitro this this past week, are on one side, and all the rest are against them. Jesus Christ. And my fa- my final and favorite news note, just one line, the Nitro Girl tryouts on television are too long. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why are you doing Nitro Girl tryouts on TV? Don't know. Well, we had heard they had said they were going to be. I know, but why? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know why. It's the 90s. And it's scantily clad women. That's why. Um, I gotta say, like, very briefly, I'm not gonna actually read the news story out, but there's talk of Brett, who, you know, Brett is always one to let a grudge go. Uh, he, he, uh, he wrote in his column this week an entire thing about how Eric Bischoff's a much better human being than Vince McMahon uh, because of how uh, nice Bischoff was after Owen died. Which I think is one of the things, like, I've always heard Brett say that. Like, WCW were so cool with him about mm-hmm. that. Like, they fucking treated him like a human. whatever the fuck a, the rest a of the human. time. <laughs> but during the Owen thing, oh, they yeah. treated him yeah. like a human, yeah. yeah. Oh, fucking hell. That, that's, that's the lengthiest and probably most WCW Observer bit we've done so far. How long are these bits going to be when we're getting all the the shit that not only about what Russo's doing backstage, but about the ideas that don't make it to TV during Russo? I think we should just have a scroll like down the side of the, the yeah. Zoom call. You know, like you know, like Kent Brockman, yeah. like doing the, <laughs> That's the apologies, what like we're just speeding past <laughs> the yeah. following celebrities are gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Here we go. This is SmackDown number five. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
Oh. The show is called Days of Thunder, not Days of Smackdown. Yes. Oh, I guess. Yeah, we have to talk about da- like uh, da- uh, Thunder episode 80. <laughs> we have to talk about Days happen. of Thunder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it is an episode of Thunder, technically. Yeah. But it's a clip show. A show named Thunder aired in Thunder's, Thunder's time slot. But it basically replays... Um, it opens with a Sting video package. Like a lengthy Sting video package. All about like why he's turned heel. That's fine. But then it just recaps... The WCW title from Nash versus Savage. Uh, the Great American Bash. Mm-hmm. All the way through. To Hogan Sting. Is it like just the most blatant we are trying to fill time? Yes, 100%. And like <laughs> you, you get some like Larry, you know, speaking to camera and then Tanae speaking over a clip here or there. But it's just a total nutting show. Like it's just not worth anybody's time watching it. We've, mm-hmm. we've seen all this stuff. Yeah. I think the only thing that significant that might happen if we had reviewed it is you might have actually heard us lose our minds having to watch this twice. Um, the one thing is that the close of the show is a tag team match from Nitro. And they did exactly what yeah. we said they would do on the pay-per-view. It's Luger and Sting as the heels against Hogan and Hart as the faces. <coughs> Tremendous. They gave, they gave that away... Um, on TV, yeah, of course they did, with no build. But yeah, but literally, if they, if they built it for two hours, that's what they did. Um, but the most, you know, insane bit of it all, Lex Luger yeah. has the bat. So stay, or Bret Hart has staying locked in the sharpshooter. Lex Luger has the bat, and I don't know if he trips or slips because he's not he's not in his wrestling gear. He's in like street fight gear or whatever. Um. Mm-hmm. And he hits Brett full force in the face with the bat. <sighs> uh, Brett was obviously like immediately regretting writing a column that was in any way favorable towards WCW. He immediately gets <sighs> get his face broken. It's just it's insane. But yeah, that that's the whole episode of Thunder, basically. And not the worst thing that would happen to Bret Hart for the rest of the year, either. No, no, not the last time he'd get hit in the head and regret it. Yeah, yeah, by, <laughs> by a big stiff. <laughs> Do you know what? At least, he's sti- at least he's not still fucking going on about was, Lex doing that now. I was now. just going to say, I think it's possible it all started from this, because if, if he didn't actually get hit with the bat, it's quite possibly the best sell job I've ever seen in my life I was watching I was watching a clip right um of Sting and Sting was talking about the the injury off the buckle bomb that everyone thought had retired him in the Mm. Seth Rollins match and it should have retired Seth Rollins not Sting He's talking about how, like, Seth got in the ambulance and was so overwhelmed with guilt about what had happened that, like, he very awkwardly blurted out, it was like, man, I used to dress like you as a kid. Like, please don't tell me I'm fucking, like, I've crippled you, basically. And Sting did the thing, you know, that, like, all wrestlers, like, it's the, the, the whole thing is that, like, no, like, it was, you know, 
it happens accidents happen you weren't trying to deliberately hurt me you weren't being unsafe it was just a like you know it was what it was do you know what i mean and i i listened to that and then i thought to myself bret hart has not had that thought about bill goldberg one time (laughs) he will never he will the boat then will be cold in the ground and he will he's gonna write the last line of bret hart's will will be fuck bill goldberg but you know what's funny? And it's, it's, what? it's not really funny. It's like, Brett in his book talks about Owen breaking Austin's neck. Yeah. And he's like, Owen's always been a safe worker and it's just one of them things. Yeah. But he's like, fuck this guy though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Smackdown. Let's do it. Yeah. So SmackDown, 16th of September 1999 from Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas, Nevada, as uh, the Iron Sheik would say. Um, a 4.5 rating. I haven't seen those kind of numbers posted from WCW in a long old while. Um, and let's, I suppose, rip the band-aid off, Lee. This show was fucking diabolically oh, yeah. bad. Oh my god, this show was fucking horrendous. You like it is the it's the Dave Maxim that he talks about in the the intro. He actually mentions it about uh, WCW in the Observer this week, but he mentions it a lot in WCW, and it's a maxim that that Alvarez and Reynolds carries throughout it is that like when wrestling is hot, you can't even deliberately bomb the project, no matter how how bad you try. And when it's cold, you can come up with the like the greatest angles in the world. I actually thought about it. Um, in terms of AEW, because I thought like they've been slowly turning the ship around the last few weeks, and mm-hmm. the amount of bullshit that we all hated in 2023 is slowly either being course corrected or pushed into less objectionable parts of the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but they're cold at the moment. It's going to take an awful lot of effort to get, get it hot. Yeah. It would be hot to the fans that are still there that haven't gone anywhere long before it will start appealing to the people outside that set that either they lost or they don't already have. But uh, this was, I text you this and I was like, this is the most classic example of a show full of very talented stars who are over having to go through two hours of some of the most hideously written television I've ever seen. I... I it's awful. I hold, like it, I, I hold a lot of nostalgia for late nineties WWF. I do. It's what was brought up on. I I can probably run through every European champion, tag team champion, IC champion, WWF champion up until yeah. like the mid two thousands. Given the timeline as well, we definitely watched this show when it aired um, when we were kids, and we probably, if you told us then, we would have said it was awesome. Oh yeah, incredible, but. Fucking hell. This show. Like, we've gone back and watched, you know, Smackdowns before. And yeah. we've dipped over and watched it a raw. And I don't think, like, there was probably two bits of the show that were, like, extremely offensive. Yeah. But the rest of the show was just offensive to me because I had to watch it. It was... It was genuinely one of the worst things I've ever had to watch. It was offensive to my tastes. Yes. Like, I... I, like... Do you know, again, a lot of the people are over on this show. But 
yeah, it's just... it. I don't even know what the comparison point is for me. Like, I guess the closest comparison is a couple of months when the guy who wrote this show is with the other company. And that's what terrifies me now, is... Like, we, yeah. we've talked about, you know, the Russo era would be great because yeah. nothing will be dull. But I don't know if I can last if everything is like this. No, because the thing is, it's worse than this. But in a way, that's extremely funny. Because nobody's Because, over. like, it doesn't take long before you realize in the Russo thing, it's like, right, this isn't turning around. You know what I mean? I think the thing that makes this period of WWF so frustrating is that it's about to get really good again. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, like, you're you're about to get an influx of the Radicals in a few months, and, you know, uh, the Dudleys are about to come in, Edge and Christian and the Hardys are going to be, like, the, the center of that tag division. You're about to have an intercontinental title division that's like Benoit, Jericho. You're about to have... Perry Saturn and Eddie Guerrero and that European title division so that even when you're not enjoying all the storylines the quality of the in-ring is increasing and the lengths of matches on pay-per-view at least are going to start increasing let's start on the show because it's awful and like the thing is right the best thing on this show is Stone Cold Steve Austin oh one. 100%. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> this man fucking killed me stone dead about three times over in this show. And I don't want to jump the gun talking about it. But he comes out in the first actual on-air segment. The context for this show, we should say, is that there was an incident we will describe later that has caused all the referees to be on strike. So we get a cold open of Earl and the boys on the picket line outside. And we would get a series of scab referees throughout the night. Some of whom I identified and some of whom I didn't. Um, So if you can shed a light when I can't name them, Mm -hmm. I'd appreciate it. Um... So Stone Cold comes out, and again, evidence, like, it's like this sickening depth of star power on this show that you can just, in the Orange Cassidy slot, as we would call it on Dynamite, you could just throw out Stone Cold to open the show. Um, the be- that That's such a fucking luxury. Also, we just casually throw out the biggest star in the history of professional wrestling. To come out and cut a promo, yeah. Um, About how he wasn't going to wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I just want to make special mention Austin Sa. I want that. That's fucking. He has this great black oh, yeah. and black and blue hat, and it just has a signature on it. Yeah, it's like a like a hat, like a NASCAR. That that's what, yeah, exactly. It. It's like a, like yeah. a NASCAR hat. It's cool. Yeah. Um. So Cole, let us know. Cole and Lawler are on comms for this. I actually thought, with a couple of exceptions, Jerry Lawler was all right tonight there were so there were a couple of times he cracked me when the women were involved he was obviously horrendous and awful but this was one of the less irritating jerry lawler performances i've seen the, the ma- on our dips over to the world wrestling federation the magic of editing jerry lawler i would imagine yeah and cole is just he's not there yet but he he wasn't awful mm. we'll say that's the, the most generous thing i can uh, say well I, I will say it has that classic smackdown editing of one moment they're in the arena and then it's just an empty studio. The the, yeah. the tone on the on the commentary yeah. just changes totally. Like. But one thing we will say, to be fair, 
as people who've been watching Thunder for a year and a half, no amount of editing was making that commentary better a lot of the no, time. Yeah, that's true. So at least they had enough to edit together to make it passable. But anyway, um, they're saying when he's on the way to the ring that uh, he struck Earl Hebner in his title rematch against Triple H and that cost him the match. Um, he says, just because I got DQ'd on Monday doesn't trip mean trip, I'm done with you, Triple H. He says, Earl was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. My goal on Monday was to beat Triple H's ass, and that's just what I did. Uh, he says, the Triple H should have finished the job on his leg at SummerSlam because now he will not stop coming for him. Uh, he says, Triple H, we could do this the easy way or the hard way. Easy way, a no-holds-barred rematch for the World Wrestling Federation title tonight. The hard way, you leave this building in a body bag. <laughs> To me, it sounds the easy way is very similar to the hard way. <laughs> it's just he doesn't win the title with the hard way. Um, yeah, it's pr- pretty decent options, I'd say. Uh, Triple H comes out with China and the Rent-A-Cops. I did like the cops politely standing still in the entranceway for his entrance. That was very funny to me. Like, uh, cops would actually do that. It's like, oh no, you spit your water, mate. We'll take our time. Um... He says, Steve, you blew your chance on Monday so you can kiss my ass. The amount of times he fucking says kiss my ass on this show. Fucking hell. Uh, But he's told, I do have to defend my title tonight. Crowd chant, asshole. He says, they can kiss his ass as well. Uh, Triple H says, the opponent will be one of my choosing tonight and someone that Steve has shared a ring with in the past. I believe the caveat is it's a main event caliber superstar that has shared a ring with Austin. And that's as close as you will ever get. And then he fires off a Nick uh, yes. catchphrase that he was obviously trying to get going and sunk like a stone. Where he goes, that is the name of the game. That man, Horrible. That man loves him some ABBA. Austin says he's going to be following around all night and his foot is going to be so far up his ass he won't be able to walk again. And I had no idea in this moment how literally he meant that he would follow him around all night. More on this later. It's the best thing on the show. You thought the NWO was the only people to be treated to uh, to uh, incognito stone calls. It's so good. Anyway, uh, we're told a six-pack challenge is coming at Unforgiven. Oh, God. On Monday... The other challengers laid out the refs and the security, which is partly what's led to this strike. We're getting a five-man Royal Rumble in September tonight. Uh, Unacceptable. Uh, Speaking of unacceptable, Curtis Hughes wrestles and there is a pepper on a pole match. We thought we'd seen the last of that. That angle, the pepper angle. It gets better tonight, though. Tonight's angle is fucking brilliant. (laughs) Yes, because we know what's coming at the pay-per-view as well. An all-timer. Our opening match. Get ready for it. It's Shane McMahon versus Joey Abs with Pete Gass, Rodney, and Terry. Okay. I'm not the only person that had no idea Terry was ever with Dimitri Posse, right? Okay, Lee. This has happened in the last four weeks. Because we watched SmackDown 1. This is SmackDown 5. And she's, she's with them. Like, I mean, she's not with them at SummerSlam. Because we all know that test Shane McMahon match inside out. She's not there for that. Yeah. With the posse. So now w- she is. When, when, like, why? Well, I'll tell you who else is there. That's Cindy Margolis, star of Shasta McNasty. 
on UPN. What the fuck is Shasta McNasty? I didn't want to Google it, Dave. I've Googled a lot of things. Uh, yeah. I've heard that name. I've heard people reference something called Shasta McNasty. I have no idea what it is. And I don't intend it because I, last time I looked up a TV show that was name dropped on wrestling, I went down a, a fucking pigeonhole of Arliss for the whole evening. I'm not doing that again. Now, I, 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 I look up... And I wrote, literally, my next line, by the way, was, I have no memory of Terry with the Mean Street Posse. <laughs> I look, I, I googled Cindy Margolis. The star. Mm-hmm. You, you like this, Dave. The star of Sharknado 3. Yep. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And then, uh, as I'm googling this, I discovered my lovely wife has no idea what a Sharknado is. Oh. I had to explain... The brilliant tornado full of sharks. Yeah. Starring Ian Zeering and uh, Tara Reid, uh, and uh, I think is the first one the one that has a cameo by Kurt Angle at the end as like a paramedic. Oh, I can't remember. It's either the, it's either one or two. But yeah, I had to explain the whole premise of Sharknado and the popularity of yeah. Shark Week, and that there's at least five of Sharknados, um, Sharknados, if you will. But yeah, I, I, I then spent a couple of minutes doing that, but. Um, uh, do you know the other thing I was thinking about Terry right this is 1999 mm-hmm. in a month it's the Terry Invitational Tournament yeah because that culminates at No Mercy doesn't it it does yeah. Yeah. yeah which is October this is September 16th And that, what the fuck is going on and as we all know in, in January we get the infamous Terry no Terry no <laughs> <laughs> In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was 
scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required, Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months. And you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service. Yuffie's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Yuffie video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with UV video lock, search UV video lock. That is E-U-F-Y video lock. Again, that's UV video lock. E-U. FY video lock or visit ufeofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Can I just say, right? So this is something that's often said about Shane. Is that Shane at this age 
was slightly more athletic and wasn't the boss's kid and actually had the humility to go do some proper training, he might have been all right. I don't think he'd but ever get hired, thing... but yeah, he could have been like a decent no. little wrestler. The one thing I say about him, and I think we won't indulge into it too much until the finish of the match, was that for the first half of this man's life in the ring, he was blessed with good luck. <laughs> Is that either everything came off great, or everything that didn't came off in a way that was like iconic and a talking point. Like, the thing I think about, like, a, a botch early, like, in the first half of his wrestling career is the, the pane of glass German suplex, or belly-to-belly suplex with Kurt. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'll never forget that spot as long as I live. And Kurt just go, no, fucker, you're going through this glass. All, all, <laughs> Doing it again. All four of the suplexes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, I'll never forget that shit. But, like, we'll talk about how, like, even the things he does wrong come off well and he starts this match just very casually with the fucking Undertaker Wrestlemania dive onto the Mean Street Posse <laughs> like what the fuck like you gotta say of the wrestlers of this show he probably put in the biggest shift yeah because like again characteristic of every WWF, WWF show we've watched so far Pretty much every match is fuck all length of time. And the main event of this show, I wish had been fuck all mm-hmm. length of time. But we'll get to it. Um, so Takes out all three men with an Undertaker dive. I just couldn't believe it. I lost it. Yeah, and like you mentioned, there's no refs. So it just quickly becomes like a three-on-one brawl. Yep. And we get, of course, the ultimate baby faces, Dave. The Stooges. <laughs> yeah. Come out. The Stooges come out. Briscoe in a ref shirt. And this, a little line from Jerry got me. Where he just goes, because Cole had talked about during the picketing segment. That they've been scrambling all day to find referees. And Jerry Lawler, with the utmost disgust at his voice, he goes, They scrambled all afternoon. And Jerry Briscoe was the best they could come up with. Um, couple of near falls for Shane uh, Pete Gas pulls Briscoe out and they start scrapping I tell you Briscoe threw some lovely rights at uh, Pete Gas on the, the floor here uh, Joey Abs accidentally takes out Rodney Shane hits a low blow then Pat Patterson comes out in his in his fucking cargo shorts <laughs> it was hot in Vegas Dave it was hot in Vegas uh, Rodney pulls Pat out of the ring Shane hits a better spear than I would have expected him to be capable of. Yeah, fucking Ricky Stark-esque spear. And then, luckily, I know we're inclined to lean towards some some hyperbole on this show sometimes. But this might have been the greatest finish in the history of professional wrestling. (laughs) I, I won't say the greatest. What I will say is the most unexpected athletic maneuver I've ever seen. Followed by no, no, no. The most unexpected leg maneuver. Followed by then, if you had given me four hundred guesses as to who the face I would see following that spot was, I would not have got anywhere close. Right? It's the combination of the two things happening that kills me. Right? So Shane, after this spear, goes on the top rope. Trouble. Uh, now I was thinking elbow. 
I was assuming elbow. Maybe a leg drop if he wanted to get spicy. What he clearly was trying to do was a swanton. <laughs> right? But I, I am not kidding when I tell you, as he is doing the bounce, his right foot slips. And as God as my witness, Shane McMahon invents the spiral tap. He hits a better <laughs> spiral tap than a good 90% of Aegisthal's spiral taps. Not only that, right? But I had no idea that they were going to replace Pat Patterson as referee, right? Or that the referee was already in the ring. So you see, you're you're already like halfway you know the the image of vince like going back on the chair the mm-hmm. meme right i was already fully back on the chair when literally the next image i see is the face of sean stasiak <laughs> counting the pin <laughs> i could i like i texted you and i was like i had to go for a walk i was overwhelmed by this my brain could not process this information <laughs> Shane McMahon hitting a fucking cunting spiral tap <laughs> and then fucking meat is here <laughs> what the fuck was this I thought there was a gas leak in my house yeah so there's really no no good explanation for it I mean what what the fuck like First of all, Sean Stasiak follows us. Quite possibly listens to he? us. Why was he there? Maybe if he hears this, he can tell us why he was there. Why my pal Pat Patterson is in trouble? I can only... There's only one man. There's only one man in this building who can lay down in the law between fucking Shane McMahon and Joey Abs, and it's me. So the only thing I can come up with, right, is that Terry was obviously with meat. That they, they were appearing. Right. I'm guessing Terry dumped meat for the Mean Tree Posse. Or are we about to get a Meat Tree Posse? A meat Street Posse. Like, like I yes. proposed. Yes. Um, but the only thing I can assume is that so the Briscoe or Briscoe and Patterson come down to fight and while they're kind of running to ringside Sean Stasiak is backstage so panicked that he doesn't come out. The actual wrestler doesn't come out to face the posse. He's actually <laughs> backstage scrambling to find a referee shirt. Yeah, he's... he's No, do you know what he's doing? He's backstage and he's, you know, he's changing all the tapes. In allegedly, the allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I meant he was watching some tape, oh, some all oh, Japan okay. tapes in, in the back. And he was changing his tapes while no one was looking. Because he gets a bit shy about yeah, working yeah, VCR. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And he said, where is everyone? I better go have a look. And he's like, well, I can't go out topless. That would be just silly. And the first t-shirt he saw was just a ref one. He thought, no harm to it. And then when he got out onto the apron, he was just aghast at Shane McMahon hitting a spiral tap. And he was just like... Well, he has to win, so I have to I have to help him out here. You, you know what I want more than anything now is Sean Stasiak ringside at either an AW or TNA or WWE show, 
dressed in a referee shirt. You know, like one of them fucking idiots that does that. Look, after this show, Lee, I will be constantly looking looking on my six for when Sean Stasiak might once show again materialise in a referee shirt. A ref shirt. Yeah. It could happen at any time. Could happen in I was any footlocker around the world. Any. I also want to say... I have had a thought about what if latter-day Shane McMahon tried to do this. And the only thing I could think of was that he would be on the top rope and just burst into flames. Because as lucky as he got with this, like, this man most recently couldn't even do a leapfrog without blowing out his ACL. I mean, Shane McMahon survived the helicopter crash. (laughs) I'm not sure he could survive doing a spiral tap. Yeah. Yeah. Because even now, like I said, when he was younger and he had something like, you know, there was something to him in the ring. He was very rough, but there was something compelling about him in the ring. I think he would have died if he had tried to do the spiral tap, which is what makes it so much better. What happened, you know? Um, That was like that. I was just like, do you know what? I just had a This show was worth it. We could have missed that if it hadn't been for this hurricane. Why has nobody ever gifted that? I don't, could somebody please listening to this gif it and put it in the the Days of Thunder Discord or at WCW Thunderpod? Because like more people need to see, and you need to keep the frame in that has Sean Stasiak counting the pins for me. <laughs> because I hope very quickly people say this gif raises more questions than it answers. I I feel like like we need to send that tape to like Galazzo Dan or something. I feel like until someone sends me the gif, I won't fully believe it actually happened, even though you're telling me you saw it too. <laughs> like, it's all it, a dream. There, there's a non-zero percent chance that it, like, we're just so broken from WCW that we're inventing things to amuse ourselves. I won't rule it out. I, I refuse to rule it out. Um, unfortunately, folks... The show immediately goes off a cliff in terms of entertainment and doesn't really come back. <sighs> so Steph comes in after the bell, kicks Joey abs, and then we cut backstage as Ivory is tutting looking at Cindy. Uh, and then I have something that I want to put up on um, a tab here for the following segment. So Lee, do you want to run us through this fabulous Ivory and Cindy Margolis segment. I mean, there's not much to run down. Ivory comes out to the ring, and uh, Ivory, who I should say is the WWF Women's World Champion at this point, um, uh-huh. comes out to the ring and asks Cindy to come in. Her, her music, by the way, very badly dubbed here, extremely porny. <laughs> but then I looked it up and I was like, her music, her actual music can't be this porny. And then I looked up, and this is her actual music. Yeah, it's the premium but sisters' the, music, isn't it? Yeah, but it's the it's the, the the sound mixing on this episode made it sound like it was an overdub. I don't know what the fuck that was about, but anyway. Um, yeah. So Ivory asked Cindy to come into the ring. She kind of you know does the whole, uh, what's the words? Uh, kind of like gases her up and says how big of a fan she is and stuff like that and isn't she wonderful yeah. for being like the, the was it the world's most downloaded person mm-hmm. in 1999 yeah. um 
and then Ivory asks her to make one of her poses and then insists on making her do a pose on the on the ring on the mat. And it's at this point yeah. when Cindy Margolis is lying on the mat that one Jeffrey Jarrett runs in, Dave. Who like him and Shane were in a race to be all over this show the most. They were the two main characters of WF SmackDown this week. Uh, and Jeff Jarrett proceeds to put the most downloaded woman on the internet in the figure four leg lock. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I had already forgotten from our last sojourn that uh, he's doing his uh, women gimmick. His, yeah. Um, and then he puts Ivory in the figure four as well. Um, yeah. Like I'm not. I'm unclear as to why Ivory was helping him. Like, cause he's cl- she's clearly setting up for Jarrett to get in. Yes. I don't understand why that was the case and why then he immediately turns on her, apart from, like, I hate women, lol. I, I think that's basically what it is. I mean, yeah. the, And it's not him that hates women. It's the man with the pen that hates the women. And then it's, you know, the other part of the woman that actually stands up to him is a heel. Yeah. Who would have known that the week in which we see an image allegedly of Jeff Jarrett wearing a QAnon bracelet would only be the second most embarrassing Jeff Jarrett thing I would see this week. Oh, was that a thing that was online this week? It oh. was when he was on the, the World's End pre-show, he was wearing a Q bracelet. Awesome. And it was only, uh, would you believe, Rovert spotted it. <laughs> doesn't miss it. Doesn't, doesn't miss, miss a thing. Doesn't Never logs off. Never surrender. Um, um, but yeah, just an yeah, awful segment. Is, yeah. uh, reportedly, he's sending a message to China, and he would send another one before the night was out. Uh, okay, Lillian is back with Triple H and the cops, and he's trying to find out who Triple H is is picking for the match. And I genuinely nearly missed this. Because it's like for wrestling, it's subtle. I don't expect something to be this subtle. Mm-hmm. But you look up behind Triple H, and there's a curtain twitching, and you see Steve Austin's head leering out, <laughs> and he just stands there completely silently. The commentators never, because this happens a couple more. They times, only acknowledge they it on the tour time. Yes, the very last time, they don't draw attention to it until the very end when there's a zoom in on him. And it's, I fucking cried. There's a better yeah, one later. Yeah, the second one is better. So we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it later. But he's just there for a few seconds. For the whole thing, he's listening. I was like, he literally means he's following him all night. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he attacks him every time. No. He just leans there. And when the segment ends, he leans back out a shot. Fucking brilliant comedy. Brilliant. As well as being the biggest star in wrestling history, this man's comedy instincts. Unbelievable. Um, something that was far from comedic WWF European title match Mark Henry defends against Steve Blackman good old sexy chalk okay so do you do you know who the referee was uh, was this yeah it was Tony Greer Tony Greer okay one. so I was wondering if yeah. Tony Greer was not one of the guys you recognised or not yeah, they actually named him okay uh, during the match, yeah, I I recognised by the like him with the fucking feathered grey yeah. hair. Yeah, I recognised him anyway. Um, 
So he's fighting Blackman. Now, this is, again, it's one of the things people would always say about to defend Russo, is that everyone had a storyline. And the one thing I can say as a positive about this segment is that they were fighting on SmackDown because of something that happened on Raw. So Mark Henry was too busy with hoes mm-hmm. and didn't make it out to tag with Blackman. Now, that's a silly storyline, but there's a true line why it it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It's not just we're throwing out these two guys just to kill five minutes. I feel like Mark Henry gets distracted by the Godfather's ladies pretty much every third week. Yeah. And that's, do you know what? I'm going to say that's fine because that plays into the character. He is sexual chocolate. Can we not call him that sexual chocolate? Okay, we can call him sexy chalk. That's fine. <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Tony oh. Gurria is refing this one. It's it's a punch kick special. Val Venus comes out almost immediately. And I don't know what Steve Blackman did to Val Venus in real life. Because he does, he comes out with a kendo stick. And he does one light kendo stick low blow to the dick. And then he fucking beans the cunt in the back of the head with a candlestick he puts he is trying to cleave this man's head in half with a candlestick now i will say i'd imagine steve blackman respected venus for doing it that way yeah there's part of me that thinks like in a real kind of old school shooter way he'd be like if he made it look like shit he'd come after him he'd come after him and like that that candlestick was going where the sun don't shine but uh, yeah, I was just like, fucking hell. Like the echo mm-hmm. of the shot was just like, anyway, uh, Sexy Chalk wins. Uh, D'Lo completely, like he bombs down about 100 miles an hour, attacks him, lays him out with a sky high. Love D'Lo, gotta be said. D'Lo, one of the most Love over people said. on SummerSlam is now just in the European title field with Sexy Chalk. I was inter. It was, but he's also now interfering in the second match on SmackDown because he doesn't have a match mm-hmm. on SmackDown. Um, Jeff comes out to give more dogs abuse to Cindy while she's on a stretcher in a neck brace. And the best line he can go up with is, why don't you download that? <laughs> and then Test Valiant Defender of Women comes out and the two of them scrap. Then after the break, we have Jeff being mad uh, about Tess to Terry Taylor. And the two of them are going to fight tonight. Next up, Ken Shamrock versus Curtis Hughes. Why, oh why? What did we have to do to deserve this? Curtis Um, Hughes, who was the big reveal on Monday Night Raw. Yes. Yeah. Now, I will say two things. Two things did make me laugh about this. Firstly... The pun that on Monday night there was a Y two cage match. Oh, I missed that. That's just a good bit of wordplay. That's That's a good bit of wordplay. And then what I have to assume was Ken Shamrock's doing. The name of Curtis Hughes when he was under the mask. Did you catch this? No. Gotch Gracie. Okay. That, (laughs) That references. Wrestling fans in 1999 having a fucking clue what a Gracie is. Or a Gotch. So I, I, I. I respect it, probably not, yeah. I'd say Alvarez at this time was probably still writing, he, you know, he used to do that column in his newsletter in character as Frank A. Gotch. Oh, maybe. 
Did you ever, did you ever no. read any of those? Yeah. So, like, there's some people who remembered who Frank A. Gotch was. But anyway, um, there is... Uh, Hughes, by the way, during this whole segment where Jericho was explaining that he'd be fighting Ken Shamrock tonight, um, Hughes is doing some classic I'm-from-the-early-to-mid-90s mean-mugging into the camera. While wearing a rave shirt. made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, and El Dopo, who definitely wasn't Howard Finkel... In suit pants and a, a lucha mask comes out to ref. Now, the only thing I really want to talk about in this match is when do you think Curtis Hughes last wrestled? Probably in '97 when he was with Triple H. He last wrestled in November. Oh, y- this past okay, November. You don't mean I thought you meant before he was with Jericho. Nope. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because he has the training school. He, one of my favorites, I did, I, not a deep dive, but I looked through the cage match of one Mr. Hughes, right? So this is his second run in the Fed, for those of you who don't know. He was Mr. Hughes. He was, he was with Triple H in 97 before China came in. Oh, he was. Yeah, so, sorry, his third run, basically, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, My favorite match of his is from 2003 some indie somewhere the team of Kevin Sullivan and Mr. Hughes defeated the team of Soulman Carter and Chris Sabin in 2003 yeah wow okay there is there is some class stuff in his uh, that'll just go oh he wrestled that person or oh he was around with this person uh, I'm going to try and go to some of these kind of early to mid 2000s one because they are a couple of them are very funny um, this is one of your 2003 he wrestled a man called Gutter um, in 2003 I think I hope this made uh, this made tape from AWWL Christmas Chaos Mr. Hughes loses to Sabu. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, you obviously know the, the story behind Mr. Hughes and why he kept getting cut from companies, right? I don't know if I do. He has narcolepsy. <laughs> no, I somehow didn't know and that. And he would routinely fall asleep during matches. Incredible. How did I not know that? Oh, that's great. I'm pretty sure that's why... How is that not... Like, he was around in the 90s. How did no one make that his gimmick? I'm pretty sure that's why he gets cut from WCW in the early 90s. I didn't realise that Mr. Hughes wrestled on Talk and Shopamania 2. I didn't realise there was a two, the second Talk and Shopamania. And this will tell you what. Do you remember when this was the height of comedy? This was uh, the Cock Torturer World Order, which comprised. Wait till you hear this. Jesus, this is the ultimate, like, team from your nightmares, right? The team of Fake Sting, Mr. Hughes, The Barbarian, Karate Man. The Warlord and Virgil. Karate Man as in Ethan Page. I believe so, yes. 
and they defeated Chad Too Bad and Sex Ferguson. That match was 15 minutes long. Why? <laughs> he wrestled Billy Gunn in 2018. Fucking hell. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Mr. Hughes deep dive coming to a Patreon near you, I think. Yeah, match was shite, and uh, it was uh, Fink under the mask. Shocking. Although, I have to say, Fink commitment to the bit where as Ken Shamrock was giving out to him. So, Shamrock puts the knee bar on Hughes, and Hughes gets the ropes, and El Dopo calls the bell because he wouldn't break the hold. And as he, as Shamrock is rounding on him to attack him, he's he's pleading with Ken Shamrock in Espanol. Yeah. I think it's El, El Desqualifio. El Desqualifio. Yeah. Sorry, I should say not good Spanish. <laughs> um, yeah, so Fink, Fink is still Jericho Alliance. Yeah, yeah. It's quite the little stable. Um, Mankind interview, uh, not one of the, the better ones. He basically just does a bunch of rock catchphrases. Nothing really to talk about here. But I do love, you know, there's always like the slam of the week and stuff like this. This was the lugs boot of the week. And it's uh, the flashback to all the refs getting killed by the, the number one contenders for the six pack challenge. Uh, what do you think of this rock promo? Wasn't wasn't a great one, was it? Yeah. Huh? See what it is. I, I, I actually don't have any notes on it. Um, yeah, he just talks about the people slot machine. I suppose the one highlight for people who have nostalgia for the time is he does the big show, yeah, choke slam noise. He says, um, "Oh yeah, the Undertaker Mickey Mouse tattoos." Isn't that what he says? Yeah, he basically does the thing he does in every multi-man match where he one by one slags everybody off, but not as memorably as he does for the the Hell in a Cell one. Oh, the Armageddon Hell in a Cell too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no. Yeah, it was, it, with, uh, it, listen to some Backstreet Boys. It was, it was, uh, it was just a rock promo. Like the the reaction he gets coming out is just oh, unbelievable, insane. Sec- it literally is second only like Tarsten. Yeah. As Big Show comes out for um, what is it? This is the Royal Rumble match is about to happen. Mm-hmm. As Big Show comes out, it cuts back to Triple H, who is looking for Austin, and Austin discreetly leans the top half of his body out from behind a cage in the background and that's when immediately I thought to myself you can always tell a Milford man (laughs) I want to and I hope I remember to when this episode comes out put the photo of Stone Cold leering out from behind the cage with Buster Blute leaning out from behind a door frame (laughs) because that's exactly he's doing the Buster Blute I know he is yeah (laughs) like it's fucking brilliant um, and the one he does later in the truck is very when um when Tobias is blending into blue stuff as a blue man he's just listening to other people's conversations yeah yeah anyway <sighs> do you know what the hu- five man royal rumble is the highlight the highlight of this match is uh, was it that when Undertaker sat down on commentary he wasn't there very long because I could not have dealt with him doing commentary again properly well no one it's that the one minute intervals meant the match wasn't very long and it was, as usual with WF, a soft yes, one minute. Yes, so it was a very rushed one minute. And two, The Undertaker's get-up. He was, this man, he's about, like, he's about to go home for six months. He is so but, checked uh, out of this company. He is not having it. This is, this is his divorce go-home, isn't it? Oh, I think so, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is his, his divorce. He spits in Vince McMahon's face, go home, and they just never pay that off. Um, yeah, so... Fucking... He just walks out literally in his street clothes. Just does, casual wear. Doesn't get into the match at all. Sits on commentary for all of 35 seconds. And then he just eliminates yeah. The Rock in the big show. Yeah, and wins. Well, I mean, I mean, look, smartest worker in the room, I guess. Um, show Jaws with Taker afterwards. They're teasing dissension between those two. That, that legendary tag team. Uh, well, speaking of legendary tag teams, Midian and Viscera come out to try and keep the peace. Uh, Rock lays out the goon squad with the chair. Big Show kicks the chair into his head and Vis hits the splash on Rock. Glad that was over. Speaking of things, I was glad when they were over. Uh, next up, we have China in what starts out as a handicap match against Crash and Bob Holly. The big shot calls out China. Um, I gotta say, I love Crash, but the comedic Crash Holly character we would see next year, it's not quite there it's, yet. Like, he's still just kind of Bob's henchman, but it's not funny mm-hmm. yet. He, he hasn't been allowed to cultivate his own character yet. He's just have they start? I didn't actually note. Have they started doing the weighing in at allegedly well over four hundred well, pounds? They, they have the scales, but they're not doing it yet. Okay, that because that's when it starts to get a bit funny. Yeah, because that, that in spite of Bob Holly's fucking sour that's face, that's the the Big Show feud, which is after Taker goes away. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah this match was shite. <laughs> um, Bill Gunn comes out to join the match. Every match on this show is shite. Um, basically, nothing happens. China's selling for ages. Just when it looks like she might have a chance at making a comeback against them, uh, Billy Gunn does the most domestic violence tag in I've ever seen. Because not only does he do like the blind tag would have done, but they have a real violence against women hard on in this show. It's really fucking distressing. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely, like he not only tags her, but grabs he her, fucking yeah. yanks her back into the corner, gets in, does the comeback by himself, and wins. And it, it, as if it wasn't indignity enough to China, because it's like they're so trying to have their cake and eat it because they want the the news cycle of China is going for a men's title and she's obviously she's going to win it, right? But they also don't want a woman to be taken seriously, so they must have her look like an idiot get laid out and be the butt of the the men's jokes even if they are heels i know some like somebody might try to do the argument like they are heels but this is fucking awful and also trying as a heel for 90 percent of the show yeah yeah and also they have like do you know they're doing the the kind of women are shite thing and two of the people that are coming out and helping the women look like shite are two women mm-hmm. be- in Debra and Because Kitty. I don't know if you know this, Dave, but Vince Russo believes women are bitches. Yes. Yes. So they come out with a shopping bag that has a frying pan, a... Um... Well, no, they don't... Oh, no, so Jared, Jared comes, comes in out and hits the her with the frying, frying pan. pan. He hits her in the back with it, yeah. They come out with an apron and a soup ladle. Yes. Now, bear in mind, the one thing you could say in terms of consistency is that, like, Jeff Jarrett clearly isn't somebody who cooks his own dinners himself if he thinks that he needs a soup ladle and a frying pan for the same dish. Like, surely some sort of spatula would have been more appropriate. But anyway, uh, yeah, they lay her out and they put the apron on her and they put the frying pan in one hand and the, the soup ladle in the other. Fucking awful. Re- really, Speaking of fucking awful... I was awful, just going to say, really great tag team partner that uh, one Billy Gunn is. Yeah, just fucked off. Just fucked off. 
um, Pepper on a Pole match, Al Snow versus Big Boss Man. <laughs> can so, we just sack? This can is, we just sack off Big Show and Al Snow here? This feud went on way too long. Nobody cared. The boss Man. And Al oh Snow yeah, Boss Man and Al Snow. Because we're about to go into Boss Man and uh, Big Show after yes. this, and at least that had poetry, and it had Dead the Daddy. eternally funny gif of um, him on the coffin being dragged mm-hmm. away. <laughs> um, but no, so let's sack off Bossman and Alson for a minute. I had no idea, no recollection, I should say, not no idea, no recollection that the big return of the goddamn British Bulldog was in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the big Bossman and Alson feuds. <laughs> because apparently. Yeah, the return of Where's My Title Shot? <laughs> uh, Bulldog. Uh, apparently. The British Bulldog now can con- can't control all dogs, in fact. Yeah, he has power over dogs. And unfortunately, I don't know where he is at this pay-per-view, because they need him. Because, folks, if you've never heard it, and I swear to God, Lee, I don't care if there is a, a mega hurricane, we are not fucking covering Unforgiven. <laughs> I don't care, because at Unforgiven is the infamous kennel from hell match. I can honestly say, I've never... And will never gone back <laughs> to watch yeah. that pay per view. If you we're saying it now because there's at least one person, a couple of who there's at least one person. There's a couple of candidates in my head. Right oh now, yeah, 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 Aaron, of people who are thinking <laughs> about going up to TRL. We will give you your money back <laughs> if you pick this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, yeah. I'm not. Because, like, bear in mind, the stuff in WCW, we're about to voluntarily put ourselves through. And I will be going out of my way to make sure we cover some of the stuff that happens on Nitro in terms of terrible stip matches. I'll make sure we do the San Francisco 49ers match. I'll make sure we do Viagra on a pole. I draw the line at having to oh, do all-time terrible gimmick matches for multiple promotions. <laughs> Um, yeah, as far as I remember, that the whole pay per view is goddamn awful. Yeah, but will I will I try uh, and look up the cage match score? Yeah, do actually. Um, but yeah, so the British Bulldogs' big return post WCW run is in the middle of the hardcore title feud over over yeah. a dead dog. And do you know how forgettable that is? I had already forgotten when you said that. <laughs> That he came out during this because they barely even show him on camera. I, I, like, I probably would have missed it if it hadn't been for Cole saying. I legit in my head thought he came back and was inserted into the championship picture, and that's when he can cuss Stephanie. No, that's all in the build to Survivor Series, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Um, okay, so it only has like a 4.56 rating. Which is very generous. Uh, do you want to know what the the star ratings? Yeah, are? run down the run down the card for me, dear. Forgiven. Oh, I'll fucking run it down. I'll run it down in my fucking car. Is what I'll do. Right. We have Val Venus versus Steve Blackman. Hell yeah, great. One and a half stars. Brilliant. D'Lo Brown versus Mark Henry. Half of a star. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett versus China. Two and a quarter stars, which is one of the higher rated matches on the show. And I think that's a generous two and a half, if I remember that match right. 
Bradshaw and Farouk versus the, must be their first pay-per-view, Bubba and Devon. Yeah. Half of a They came in on like, I thought it was September they came in. Well, this is September. Oh, it is September, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ivory versus, who do you think Ivory was wrestling at the pay-per-view after this segment tonight? Luna. Luna Vachon. Okay. In a three-minute match. That was one quarter of a star. The New Age Outlaws versus Edge and Christian. Two and a quarter stars. Kennel from Hell. Minus three stars. X-Pac versus Jericho. Half of a... Uh, a star and a half. Wow, that would have to be a bad match to get that lower score. And then the uh, the six-pack challenge... Three and a Hang half, on, Jericho X Pac. I think is semi main that pay per view. Jericho and X Pac were in the semi main. Yes, I also forgot that by because oh yeah, so it must be literally next week the Undertaker goes home because it's ten days from now, and Undertaker isn't in the match. Bulldog, yeah, is that's in the right. Match. That, that, I was thinking that, yeah. So sometime in the next 10 days, Undertaker fucks off home to be divorce guy. And the British Bulldog takes his place in the six That's why I was thinking. Like, I was sure he was inserted right into the fucking pay- into the pay-per-view match. Fucking hell. And the, the wedding is coming up. So there's going to be like, Stephanie is going to be involved over the course of one month in a drugged and married to Triple H storyline and a trash can to the head amnesia storyline <laughs> as well as then culminating a month later with turning heel on my father storyline well no that's December isn't it that's December yeah, like a I, month yeah. later is what I'm saying so like between now and the end of oh. October she's doing those two things <laughs> fuck <laughs> again do you know what I mean like you can't miss when a company is this hot and they're trying to miss I have to conclude that they're trying yeah, to miss yeah this is charismaless Stephanie getting pushed as the main event fucking heel yeah this is like she's you can see that she's speak and spell Linda's daughter speak here um, <laughs> fucking hell uh, um, where are I even lost where we are B- Bulldog oh, yeah. comes out with uh, some Bulldog or some fucking Alsatians oh so like the whole thing was like what had happened in the four weeks since is that like obviously we had the infamous segment where Bossman cooks kills Pepper cooks Pepper and feeds Pepper to Al mm. And now he's got some leftover pepper burgers in a bag. And that's what's on a pole uh, in this pole match. Bossman got... So the one thing I will say, the, the best sell job in this whole thing was that Bossman did not want to be within a mile of these dogs. Yes. So he got the burgers off the pole, but then immediately threw it out of the ring. And just because Al Snow then picked it up, he won. That, yeah, so they, they made sure to say this at least four times. That you had to yeah. get them, you had to get the the pepper bag down, and you had to be holding it on the floor. The pepper bag. Stop. <laughs> Just. Stop. I think it says doggy bag. Yeah, it's, it says some bullshit on it anyway. Um. Yeah, and just fucking yeah, boss man over the barricade, out, gone away from hills. some energetic puppies. Then we have, uh, all right, Jerry, uh, Steve lurking in the shadows in a truck, which is his blue man group moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, and that leads to... Oh, fuck. <laughs> <sighs> intercontinental title match Jeff hang on, Jarrett hang on. with Deborah and Miss It was Keaton. an intercontinental title match. Apparently, according to Cage no, Match, it, it was. wasn't. That's what the Cage Match said. Uh, test is the challenger. Puppies chant. Uh, Do you know what? What? Test winning the ice. This sucks. <laughs> well. Test winning the IC title and defending it against Heel China would have made a modicum of sense considering where that storyline has gone. Yeah. But, but, you know. They're not going to do that. But, you know, <laughs> Stephanie and Triple H have a real life romance and that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> for now. For now. <laughs> allegedly. His, yeah, allegedly. His wife allegedly. at the time. His wife at the time. Um, yeah. Forgive me for using this refrain again. This match sucked. Uh, Interference almost immediately from the Mean Street Posse and Terry. Uh, Jeff gets the heat. Steph comes out then, confronts Rodney. Shane is out again. Knocks out Rodney. But Tess had been thrown into the steps. The Stooges then come out. And then Sean Stasiak comes out again. (laughs) And the match gets thrown out. A fucking... Mess. Sean Stasek was a very popular face at this time, Dave. Uh, I think it was this match where you had no idea who the referee was. I didn't write it down anyway. Was, was this the one? Yeah, where it had jacked ref and not so jacked ref on the outside. Ooh. No, that was the Royal Rumble. That was Royal Rumble. The, the Royal Rumble match. The Royal Rumble match had two refs, and I couldn't identify either. Of them. Well, one of them was there was one, one of the, super jacked guy in a flat. Yeah, cap. one of them was the bodyguard. Um, what's his name? Uh the security guy. He'd always be ringside oh, in the flat cap. Yeah, yeah, I know he, you're he talking tra- about. I don't know he trained to be a wrestler, and I think the gimmick was he was going to be Stephanie's personal security. Um, and then, yeah, I was so tuned out on this match that I didn't even take note. I don't know if I even looked at the referee. The referee in this one was the ringside timekeeper, Mark Eaton. Ah. The guy that's famous for throwing Austin his beers. Hope he got, uh, hope he got double pay. <laughs> double duty. Uh, yeah, that match sucked. Um, speaking of matches, it sucked. Uh, main event also sucked. Triple H comes out. Firstly, he nominates Shane McMahon as the ref. I don't know how Triple H, who is the WWF champion, ha- suddenly has the power to bully around Shane, who in storyline owns the fucking company, and make Shane ref this match and also gets to call his own opponent. This None of this is explained, and the reason because they don't is because there's no reason. Yeah, it, it's the champ calling out to McMahon's for some reason. Um, should say, Shane and Triple H are friendly at this point. Yeah. In spite of at this and Shane, who was just torn face. Yeah. Now... One last gritted teeth compliment to something that made me laugh that Jerry Lawler said on this was that Triple H talks for fucking ages. Mm-hmm. Right? And he keeps naming people that might be, like all the guys in the six-pack challenge that might be the challenger tonight. And every time he says it, like Triple H barely gets a word out, like a syllable of their name out. And Jerry Lawler's like, I knew it. Man- mankind, I knew, I, knew it. It. I knew it. I knew it was Mankind. I knew it. I knew it. I knew yeah. it. And then as soon as he goes, it's not going to be Mankind, he goes, ah, it was never going to be Mankind, though, he, was it? Undertaker, I knew it. He doesn't quite say, 
it's not going to be mankind. Everybody can kiss his ass, Dave. I don't know if you're aware of this, yeah. but they can all yes. kiss his ass. He kisses so much puckering. Um, now, I will say, like, my favorite, like, if I had to pick up my favorite, like, dumb dad joke, Derry, Jerry Lawler thing he ever did in commentary was during the, the Benoit and Jericho feud when he'd always say, I predict Chris will win. <laughs> that was a solid bit. That was a solid bit. And it, well, like as uh, Drill would say, you absolutely do not no, have to give credit to Jerry Lawler. No. <laughs> Very much the ISIS of commentary, <laughs> and also the one good Drill bit as well. Yes. Yeah. Hey, there's plenty of good. The cor- look corn cob. There's loads oh, of good Drill bits. Well, yeah. yeah, I got to use that plenty this week. Thank you, Ryan Sutton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not owned. I'm not owned. <laughs> Trevor is a fucking legend. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I love Trevor Dame. Love Trevor Dame. Absolute legend. Great follow if you don't already. One of the last great follows on on uh, Twitter. I got one, one of the two uh, best Trevors on Twitter. Can you tell how much we don't want to talk about this? He chooses Vince McMahon, and it take what I find highly dubious is that it took. Triple H repeatedly insulting his wife at the time for him to get up in arms and come out and defend Who, who do you think Triple H would have had to insult and Vince would have come out the first time? Would it have been like Ivory? <laughs> All I'll say is less affection has been shown by Vince McMahon to Linda on television over the years than Eric Bischoff showed to Linda on TV. Okay? It strains credibility in the extreme that he would go, I must defend my wife. I mean, even in... in if, there are a lot of words, a lot of words I'd love to use to describe Vince McMahon. Wife guy. Is that one, is not no, one. no. Um... Now, it should be said, like, even in her limited screen time here, she has, like, the emotions of a styrofoam fucking cardboard fucking cutout. Do you know what's really funny? Is that I went, I think this might be the most emotive I've seen Linda. <laughs> her facial expression changes a couple of times when she's in a the ring. That's, times. like, a couple of times more than I... Yeah. <laughs> Like, her cyborg face doesn't fall off and you don't see the circuitry behind. <sighs> Is there a point in talking about no, this match? Like no, that's what, not what, a match. What happens in this match? Talk about the finish then, Lee. Just take us straight to the finish. Because it's all fucking smoke mirrors and God God almighty for most of the 10 minutes of this match, Vince is saying. Yeah, Vin- like, this whole segment is 20 minutes. 10 of it is just Triple, Triple H, 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 H down. speaking at an eight. And an incredibly long Vince walk to the ring. And then it's 10 minutes of Vince selling and not in a fun way, a la him selling in the match with Sean at WrestleMania, which I loved to death. Before we get to that is, why is Triple H angry at Vince McMahon? It's never Um, explained. No. Vince walks out and says, come on, let's go backstage. And yeah, he's like, I'm done talking with you. Like, maybe it's an extension of the whole Triple H's summer storyline was about how the company was keeping him back from the top spot. Maybe that's what he's going at, but it's not. 
explained in any way that I would describe as it's satisfactory. The opposite here. of the subtlety hammer here. They just don't explain it at all. Um, basically, yeah. yeah. But the finish is essentially they run back the, the Mankind yes, title oh, win finish. That's exactly what it is. Um, Austin's music hits. The rent the rent cops like have their little wall up on this stage. And Austin, you know, being that the match is 10 minutes long, has probably seen this. So, of course, he comes in through the crowd and proceeds yep. to beat the ever-loving fuck out of, uh, out of Triple H. Uh, he hits stunners to China and Triple H, and then he just puts Vince yep. on top. Yeah, And wakes up Shane, so Shane makes the count. Vince got great colour, by the oh, way, in this Vince match. ran the blades. He took his moment. Yeah. Um, funniest part of it all is Vince gets the one, two, three, and Austin's music plays. Yeah, yeah. Just because they wanted a pop. Yeah, they, they wanted Austin's music to, to, to play after the match. Um, yeah. Just a god-awful close to what was a horrendous television show. Yeah. Vince is WWF champion. He would obviously not hold it long. He would relinquish it. So when does Vince Russo win the WCW world title? Uh, a year after this is it August September uh, let me find out it's actually almost exactly a year after okay. this so this was September 16th 1999 he wins it on September 25th 2000 from Booker T so Vince Russo booked Vincent McMahon to win the WWF title like exactly a year before he would desperately run that story back except this time involving himself yeah like a storyline that doesn't didn't work when they did it this time with Vince doesn't make them an extra dime he tries to run it back later like I said in a much worse company with a much less believable guy winning. Like, Vince at least looks tough. Yes. Has, 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 you know what I mean? Has, Vince, Vince at least, his Jack LaLanne physique, as Shawn Michaels once has said. Has been in there with the actual main eventers. Um, yeah. But also, neither Vince would actually lose the title. They would both relinquish the titles. Yeah. Vince, at least in storyline, they did the whole thing that... Like, he never wanted it. He never wanted it, and he's a babyface at the time. Whereas the Vince Russo thing, like, I wonder, would things have been different were it not for the fact that the man was getting a concussion every five minutes around this time? Like, when he starts wearing the hockey helmet mm-hmm. when he's in in the ring. We got all that ahead of us, buddy. After, like, after this episode, I just, I fucking, I, I think I've had enough Vince Russo. Oh, have you? <laughs> I can't wait. Like, I'm giddy because, like, I just need to get there. I've been telling myself this for two years of podcasting. I just need to get to this point because then we're going to end, we're going to get into my end game, my personal end game, where we get through all these episodes of TV where I've watched every single one of them before in real time and you haven't seen no, any of them uh, apart from, like, the occasional match. I, I've, yeah, I, like, as I said before, I dipped in and out of WCW in 2000. So, yeah. yeah, can't wait. 
It's all ahead of you, buddy. All ahead of you. Anyway, I don't have the finish counter because who the fuck? Cares there was not one Smackdown. clean finish on this show. But uh, winners and losers. Us, We're, we lost. <laughs> uh, no, this 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 match, this show, fucking awful. I mean, other than Austin, and just like Shane McMahon somehow surviving his dive off the top rope. And Sean Stasiak somehow <laughs> managed to get on TV twice in two hours. Uh, Austin and Rock just carrying this company at this point. Um, yeah. Triple H isn't there yet. And I think that doesn't help either with the whole... The whole storyline of Vince is that the fact that Triple H isn't quite there. And it wouldn't, it no. wouldn't be until Foley gets him there. Yeah. Like, if they had to run this back a year later with Triple H, it would have worked a lot better. Mm-hmm. But I understand they had to get him with Stephanie to Foley. And, yeah. you know, it was all part of the process. And they kind of... I, I, I'll i give them credit. They committed from June through to December. They committed to making Triple yeah. H a guy. Look, on one thing you can't fault them is that, unlike their opposition... They didn't hot shot it. And even when, like you said, there are moments where it's not over yet. They just kept going with it. It isn't getting over the level they want. They stayed the course because they knew what they wanted. And look, until he blew his quad out, it looked like it was really paying off. Because he would, they did get him there. He was a top... And look, he remained a top guy when he came back, but just in... Yeah, so, to less people. Just, just, yeah. he, could, just, just he couldn't wrestle yeah. anymore when he came back. But yeah, um, no, just a, a god awful yeah. episode of television. Yeah, well, that was days of SmackDown for this week. I can't believe I'm in the position where I'm longing for the sweet embrace of World Championship Wrestling when we return on the free feed. But here we god, are. God, give me a Hooven, give me no. a Hooven Tooth Guerrero match, Dave. It's it's true, man. You don't know what you got till it's gone. They paved paradise and put up a parking lot. That's what I always say. <laughs> Right, anyway, for this weird-ass episode... Of all the things I expected, the Counting Crows reference was not one of them. <laughs> I like to keep you guessing, buddy. I like to keep you guessing. For this episode of Days of Thunder, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you back on the free feed in two weeks and next week over at alargemanappears.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks.
Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. <laughs> 